everyone. So today I want to talk a little bit about COVID and the way the quote-unquote experts have been talking about the difference between natural immunity and vaccination level immunity. So there's this little bit of sleight of hand, or at least I'm calling it a sleight of hand, where uh, they, they, they articulate efficacy of natural immunity and efficacy of vaccine-based immunity very, very differently. So you'll see this when you see certain experts talking maybe out of South Africa or other places about the Omicron variant that that's recently come about. And essentially, they've been trying to determine whether or not Omicron evades natural immunity and evades vaccines. Now, here's the difference in the way that they talk about it. When they talk about natural immunity, they ask the question whether or not one can get reinfected with COVID, i.e. the Omicron variant of COVID, when they've already had another variant of COVID. When they talk about vaccine evasion, sure, they are looking for whether or not someone can get the disease or get the variant form of the disease, the Omicron variant form of the disease, if they've already been vaccinated. But they don't know the answer to that question. And the answer to that question for other variants isn't even proven out, right? We know that, for example, that people who've gotten the vaccines can get infected with COVID. And we actually don't necessarily have data to show that fewer people are getting COVID who've been vaccinated than who haven't been vaccinated. And to add insult to injury, uh, to that lack of understanding, think about who's actually getting tested. Because if you're going to have a data set that suggests that the vaccinated are less likely to get infected than the unvaccinated, then you have to have numbers of cases among the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. The problem is that the unvaccinated, especially due to policies in the U.S. and elsewhere, testing policies, the unvaccinated are more likely to get tested and more likely to get tested more frequently, which means that you're going to identify far more cases or more, you're going to be more likely to identify far more cases among the unvaccinated than the vaccinated. So long short of it is we don't necessarily have the necessary data to suggest that those who are vaccinated are less likely to get infected. And we especially don't have that data for Omicron. So here, here, here's where the sleight of hand sits. They don't talk about whether or not the or they don't talk about as much whether or not the vaccine is going to be effective towards preventing Omicron infections. What they're concerned, and they don't do that with other variants either, what they're concerned about is whether or not the vaccines are actually going to be effective towards preventing serious illness or serious disease. And you've heard this with other variants, right, with Delta especially. We still believe that the vaccines are going to be effective against serious illness, even if a lot of people get breakthrough infections. So they talk about it differently. Natural immunity to them is only effective if it prevents one from getting reinfected, i.e. getting the disease. Vaccine immunity, however, is effective even if one gets the disease, but only if it prevents serious illness and death. And so basically the goalposts for natural immunity is further down. It's it's higher. The barrier is higher um, for uh, natural immunity efficacy than it is for vaccine efficacy. Why? Right? Historically, we've relied on 
natural immunity to get over um, previous pandemics. Um, and every year when a new flu strain comes out, we assume that the majority of people either get vaccinated or have natural immunity and that they're going to get over it because their immune systems have developed uh throughout their lives to be able to resist with things like T-cell immunity, with antibodies they built up for a specific disease like flu, right, or others. Um, that, that is also going to be true with COVID. And they're just ignoring that. And, 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 and the obvious reason that they would be ignoring that is because they're trying to push vaccines, right? If natural immunity works and the majority of people, especially in South Africa, right, have been infected with a previous variant of COVID, um, then they're less likely to go get the vaccine. And so they talk up the benefits of the vaccine while talking down the benefits of natural immunity. And, it, and it's hard to understand why they do that um, other than to, to pressure vaccines. But why do they want to pressure vaccines? Uh, social control? I don't know, honestly. Or perhaps it's financial incentives, right? And, and this isn't to be conspiratorial, but when you really think about um, a pharmaceutical company's bottom line where they do an insane amount of financial investment in figuring out cures for various diseases, and that includes COVID, even though the government funded a lot of this and is paying for a lot of it right now. They have a financial incentive to continue to put out products that are effective against COVID and against serious illness uh, with COVID. Um, and so each variant that comes out, they can tune this vaccine. And this is really cool technology, right? They can tune this vaccine to be able to be effective against these new variants. But there's also this reality that with each variant that comes out, there's a financial motivation to tune it and to provide that to the market. Uh, so a pharmaceutical company would actually have a financial benefit in denigrating or um, degrading the idea that uh, natural immunity is an effective tool to end the pandemic or um, to um, enable us to get into a more of an endemic phase of this pandemic um, or an endemic phase of this disease. So you have to consider um, who stands to gain from various policies that don't quite make, make logical sense. Now let's move beyond the pharmaceutical companies and look at governmental motivations, perhaps, or congressional motivations, presidential motivations, right? There is an inherent benefit in being able to control more from a federal level to those who are in federal government, such as the president, such as Congress. Now, typically what you see is conservatives tend to be more focused on maintaining states' rights in terms of, or state ability to decide on outcomes. Um, anything that is not given in the Constitution should be relegated to the states. That's kind of a conservative perspective. Um, conversely, um, Democrats tend to be more focused on enhancing or uh, increasing the power of the federal government. Motivations, I, I, I don't know motivations for that. Everyone probably has different motivations. A lot of them probably believe that you can um, better enact um, certain social policies on a federal level. Um, Abortion is a good example of that. Perhaps um, economic policies are great examples of that. Regardless of the efficacy of those economic policies, they believe that if you enact them at a federal level, it's going to be more beneficial to a broader group of people. Um, but what it really comes down to when it comes to politics is um, what do your constituents, constituents think? What do your constituents want? So when you look at Democrats, their constituents generally, now a lot of them, most of them are probably reasonable people, but given this pandemic started in the age of Trump, and because Trump was, weirdly enough, um, the voice of reason when it came to not freaking out about this pandemic, not ushering in insane um, 
uh, lockdown policies, not forcing mask mandates and things like that, the, Demo the Democrats kind of responded with the exact opposite extreme. And then um, their voters generally respond in that way, too, because of their vitriolic hatred of, 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 of Trump or perhaps just their antipathy to Trump. And so the way they began to view the pandemic was largely in response to the way that they viewed Trump, which meant that they were going to view the pandemic um, as Trump's fault. And it also meant that they were going to go in the opposite direction of what Trump wanted to do when it came to how to handle the pandemic. And so when you do that, you have kind of a vested interest in maintaining um, what you've maintained historically. <laughs> so if you start with lockdown policies during the pandemic, you're not going to want to actually continue uh, or, or shift from those things at least quickly because then it's an admittance that you actually were wrong in the way that you um, initially tried to resolve uh, or solve this pandemic. But even more than that, because you have a vested interest in maintaining what you did in the first place so that you don't actually have to demonstrate that you were wrong or admit that you were wrong, you've actually used the, the, the tools that are in place, such as the news media, such as culture, um, cultural influencers, um, people on Instagram, actors and actresses. Um, the politicians themselves have platforms. Um, state governments um, as kind of arms of um, the whole Democratic Party. Um, they all moved in one direction, which actually shifted the cultural view of how to handle the pandemic. So actually, people on the left generally believe that lockdowns, mask mandates, um, and vaccinations are the way to get out. Data aside, right? The, the data is not what your average Joe uses as the basis for their belief that a policy works or it doesn't work, right? Um, so now, because you've pushed something that's not necessarily right or the data doesn't support as a, a, a sufficient or effective means of ending this pandemic, now your downstream constituents, um, the average Joes and Jills, actually believe that this is the way to solve it. When they believe this is the way to solve it, your constituents then want you to do a specific thing, right? So you have to now, you have a vested interest as a politician to do that thing that your constituents want that you convinced them to want in the first place. So now we're kind of in this vicious cycle. And especially with the Democrats in power, they have a vested interest in maintaining the policies that they pushed for in the first place that their constituents want to maintain. And so why is the pandemic continuing? Well, largely because we perceive the pandemic to be continuing because the policies that were in place um, in the first place, the people in power's constituents want them to continue. Um, yes, people are still dying. Um, yes, variants are still coming out. But what are the actual metrics that show that this is a pan um, this is no longer a pandemic and is now in endemic phase? Well, there are legitimate metrics like number of cases, number of um, uh, I guess, potential for variants and other things that I'm not actually as aware of because I'm not a scientist. I should do more research on this stuff, I suppose. But anyway, long short of it is there are metrics, but then there are also pronouncements, right? The culture actually has to believe that we're in an endemic phase. And right now we're not in the ability, we, our, our culture broadly, but particularly those in power and their constituents don't actually have the ability to say that we are comfortable with COVID, Continuing, just like the flu, just like any illness, just like previous coronaviruses continue to circulate through the population. We are not comfortable with that reality, partially because they push those COVID, uh, zero COVID policies, partially because they push these lockdown policies, which are going to manifest themselves now beyond COVID, but in flu, right? Um, you know, when there's a, a random flu outbreak, like in 2009 with H1N1, uh, 
regardless of um, how dangerous it is, people are going to have this propensity toward doing a lockdown, toward mandating masks. Because sometimes, and depending on the disease, they, you know, they might actually be effective towards reducing transmission and eventually reducing death. But that's, that's really where the rub is, right? Our view of what's acceptable in a pandemic or in even endemic circulation has shifted. The Overton window has shifted where we're no longer comfortable with people getting sick from disease and dying. Not that we're ever comfortable when a friend gets sick and dies of a disease, but that happens. That's just the way the world is. So we're no longer comfortable with it. So because those in power and their constituents want to maintain the policies they think are going to end the pandemic, and because they're unwilling to believe that the pandemic is over until COVID has disappeared, essentially. Those experts who are actually trying to fix this have a vested interest in pursuing um, the policies that those in power's constituents want to pursue. So to wrap that around, I know this is a bit convoluted, um, but in my defense, this is largely off the cuff, right? So that brings us back full circle to what I talked about in the first place, which is they articulate natural immunity um, very differently, or they, they, they talk about natural immunity very differently than they talk about vaccines, and especially when it comes to efficacy. Because the people in power's constituents believe that the vaccines are the pathway forward and the way to end this pandemic, they are not actually going to talk about natural immunity as an effective means of ending this pandemic. So expertise is actually not what's driving the narrative here. As with all things, expertise is not driving the narrative. Politics is. And that's why when you leave a Seattle or a San Francisco or a New York and go to a Texas or Florida, you ex- experience the world completely differently. Because those in those quote-unquote red states just view the pandemic and what it means for how we ought to live our life very differently than those in quote-unquote blue states. It's not these lockdown policies that are going to end the pandemic. It's not the mask policies that are going to end the pandemic. It's not even the vaccines that are going to end the pandemic. What's going to end the pandemic is a return to the belief that individual autonomy comes with risks, but that those risks are worth it.